Well, the Super Bowl has come and gone, so one of the biggest betting days of the year is now behind us. But things are only getting heated up at mybookie.ag. Of course, as you know, you're listening to a hockey podcast. After all, there is no other sport like hockey. The fast tempo, the fights, like we saw at the Battle of Alberta, that was awesome. To the highlight real plays, there is no more exciting sport than hockey. And it gets even more exciting when you're placing your bets on hockey. Because you're an expert, you know who's going to win, you have a good feeling about it. Why not turn those feelings into cash? Nobody gives you more ways to win than mybookie.ag. They have the best payouts, better odds than any other sports book. And I wouldn't be telling you this if they were not the best. Now, if you join right now, mybookie.ag will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. You don't have to deposit $1,000 if you don't have it. Maybe you just wanted to play around with 50 bucks, such as say. You got 50 bucks from your Aunt Nana or your Grant Grammy, or maybe it's your birthday. You got 50 bucks for your birthday. Yay! First of all, happy birthday. Second of all, you can turn it into an extra $25 right now. By depositing it on mybookie.ag and using the promo code THPN. Using that promo code, mybookie will match that deposit by 50%. So they'll give you an extra $25 on top of that 50 to play with. How about that? Isn't that cool? Just use the promo code THPN to activate the offer and take advantage of this. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. It's that simple. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey, that's me. more like it. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes, your hockey podcast network home for your reigning, defending, undisputed champion of the world, St. Louis Blues. This is episode number 38, or as I like to call it, the Pavel Dimitra episode of Blue Notes. Rest in peace, Pavel. And today we're going to talk about the St. Louis Blues return to form. Coming back from Western Canada in the All-Star break, the Blues find their winning selves once again, winning 6-3 over the Carolina Hurricanes at Enterprise Center. We'll break down that game, and then this is going to be kind of an odds and ends episode here, just kind of talking about a couple of things. Uh, Number one is trade deadline coming up for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Some chatter as to what the Blues could be doing, some uh, speculation being thrown around, nothing really concrete. Of course, you know, Doug Armstrong is not one to exactly, you know, reveal his cards to the media per se, but there's been some chatter among national media about what the blues could do. And we'll talk about some of the ideas that have been thrown around for the St. Louis blues and uh, possible trade bait options as well. No, it's not going to be Justin Falk. I, I only suggested Justin Falk to Seattle because, you know, that's 
that's like the most likely way the Blues would get rid of him at this point. And I'm not saying they should get rid of Justin Falk. I'm not saying that at all. He could turn it around and and find and we can see the player that he was in Carolina. Uh, he's shown flashes of that this year. I think overall he's getting better with Petrangelo. Uh, so and and don't get me wrong. I'm not. I, I don't dislike Justin Falk at this point. You might. And it seems to me that he's just the kind of player that, whether it's in Carolina or it's in St. Louis, he tends to become a scapegoat. And I say still give him a chance. Now, that being said, again, Blues has some roster issues coming up, as I mentioned in the last episode, episode 37 on Monday. So that just that's why I brought that up. But as far as this year goes, uh, I think there's one player in particular that might find himself as potential trade bait to wherever uh, the Blues get their top six forward, if they do indeed trade for one. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And yes, we will go down on the farm this episode. Uh, Been a while since we checked in on the San Antonio Rampage, and uh, I think the dumpster fire has been extinguished, I think. So we'll talk about that as well and some... uh, Signing news when it comes to uh, players that have been playing for the Rampage this year. Uh, may not be Rampage players much longer. Maybe on the pro squad, so we'll talk about that as well. And first things first, uh, to the victor go the spoils. And here probably the next week or two, I'll get to enjoy seeing our San Jose Sharks comrade Dylan Kayser of the Shark Hungry podcast sporting a Kansas City Chiefs hat. That's right. The Kansas City Chiefs ended up winning the Super Bowl over the weekend in case you've been living under a rock. Brilliant fourth quarter comeback by Patrick Mahomes. And because of a uh, bet that me and Dylan made, uh, the conditions were that if the Chiefs won, I would send Dylan Kayser a hat from NFLshop.com, one of our partners here at the Hockey Podcast Network and he would wear it in a future social media video. So you will definitely see that uh, when that happens. So, um, and, and I, I got him a really ugly Chiefs hat. I mean, this one's pretty ugly, so um, pretty happy with it if I don't say so myself. So, um, and speaking of partners with the Hockey Podcast Network, if you've been looking to get yourself a quality, authentic NHL jersey, this is the time to do it with cool hockey. One thing I've warned you and others about with cool hockey is that, you know, a couple times a year, they'll have a really big sale. And this is that time of year. It's a kind of a short one, though, between the time you're listening to this and February 10th. Uh, CoolHockey.com is having a 30% off flash sale. The promo code is FLASH. And you get 30% off anything and everything in the store. So you can take off some major, major money off the purchase of your next jersey. And again, these are quality, hand-stitched stuff like the pros wear, not cheap crap from China. I mean, you're, why are you going to buy a Chinese jersey now with the coronavirus? I mean, you open up the bag and you're going to get sick. I mean, so let's let, let's forget the fact that Chinese, you know, knockoffs are lousy in quality and possibly fund terrorism and other suspicious outlets. Um, yeah, there's also the coronavirus. So buyer beware, like really. 
Get yourself the real thing from coolhockey.com. Promo code FLASH for 30% off. We love our partners here at the Hockey Podcast Network, and we're glad to help you out there. Now, let's get to business here on the ice. The St. Louis Blues, a rough stretch of it uh, in uh, Western Canada. Uh, Only one win last week, and uh, in total they were uh, 1-4-1 over the period of six games. And I was really concerned about the Blues going back home to Enterprise Center, as you heard on Monday's episode when I uh, chatted with Zach Tompkins of the Siren Sounder podcast of the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, I wasn't optimistic about the Blues going into this game uh, Tuesday night against Carolina, and I, I feel, I feel, I'm glad I was wrong. Um, Carolina's a good team. They've been playing well. They have a good, they have a good roster. I mean, they seem to be pretty balanced offensively and defensively. Their goaltending's been pretty good. I mean, not like elite, but good. James Reimer and Peter Morazic have been pretty solid for the most part. And yeah, when 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 the final whistle siren blew, the final whistle was blown. It was a six to three win for the St. Louis Blues. Surprising stuff here, and. More encouraging to me, you know, besides the score itself, is who was doing the scoring for the St. Louis Blues. Some some players that I felt needed goals and uh, added to their uh, resumes, if you will. So the first goal was uh, Sammy Blay getting his sixth of the year um, off a rebound shot from Justin Falk. Good to see him firing shots. Uh, that's the thing with Justin Falk in Carolina. He was a goal scorer. He was a high volume shooter. I want to see him start uncorking more shots because that seems to be a strength of his that's been kind of muzzled since he's come over to St. Louis. Maybe that'll kind of open him up a little bit, you know, especially if he's playing on his offhand. Um, you know, like, like Zach, Zach Tompkins said, um, you know, Zach was always kind of curious why they didn't have Falk go into like that Ovechkin circle. You know, the Ovechkin circle, the uh, uh, circle that is to the right of the goaltender on the offhand. Uh, Falk could, you know, probably, you know, play that type of a role for the Blues if they wanted him to play that role. Um, the thing is, though, with Falk, you know, he also does have defensive ability. He's a physical defender, and I don't. You know, when you cycle Falk that far up in the offensive zone, you leave yourself exposed on the back end. So you would need to figure out how to maybe cycle a Sammy Blay or someone like that to go back with Petrangelo in those type of situations. But regardless, Sammy Blay getting a goal on the rebound, I'm so glad to see him getting on the scoreboard. He's had a tough year with injuries. And no, he's not injury prone. He's not, he's not going to be a cripple. All of his injuries have been kind of over the course of regular play and or flukes. Like the wrist injury that he's coming back from was a, was very fluky. And so I, I don't think it's fair to put the injury-prone tag on him. Uh, he just, for one, he's a physical player, so, you know, he'll get his bumps and bruises here and there. But he's been kind of unlucky, you know, when it comes to, it comes to injuries. So... Um, good to see him get on the scoreboard. It's one to nothing at the end of one. And then in the second period, Zach Sanford 
getting his seventh goal of the year. And really, this was all Zach Sanford going, you know, wrapping around behind the net, carrying the puck into the zone. They didn't, they weren't sure if it was a goal at first. It ended up being a goal. They called it a goal in the uh, video replay. Uh, love the effort from Zach Sanford here. Wish we saw more of that effort. We'll talk about Sanford uh, here after uh, we uh, recap the game here. Uh, so that's now two to nothing. St. Louis Blues, and uh, that's very early in the uh, second period. And then speaking of guys who need to clap it more towards the net, Colton Pareko fires an absolute bomb. This would have smashed Shea Weber in the hardest shot competition. He takes a one-timer, and he is in that Ovechkin circle, and he just bombs it by the Canes goaltender. Uh, that thing had to have been going at least 110 miles an hour. Uh, it was a really uh, good feat to get the puck over to him, and Pareko just does the rest. Another guy I want to see shooting more. He only has three goals this year, but he's got a McKinnis-level bomb on him if he just needs to unleash it. Um, and that's another, that's another guy that I wish were a little bit more assertive like that because he's got some offensive talent. Uh, it's just a matter of showing it. Um, so Pareko getting his third of the year, making it three to nothing. Sebastian Ajo making it three to one, looking like it's going to be a game. And then Brayden Shen getting number 19 and number 20 all in the second period here. The first goal, uh, it was, uh, Petrangelo, uh, top of the, uh, uh, top of the blue line ends up firing it towards the goal. Shen gets the rebound. He's right there where he needs to be. Uh, really good positioning by Shen to uh, knock it home. And then uh, Shen getting number 20 on the year. Uh, not very long after that in the second period. About uh, about four minutes later, uh, assisted from Schwartz and O'Reilly on this one. And this was just a matter of uh, Braden Shen uh, cycling in behind the play. Schwartz feeding it to Shen in that Ovechkin circle, and the Canes goalie just kind of rears his neck back and looks up to the sky. He felt like he should have had that one, uh, but regardless, you know, good forecheck by Perron, ends up on Schwartz's stick, and then uh, Shen fires it by the Canes goalie, who is just not in the right position at the right time. James Reimer having a uh, uh, not a great game on Tuesday. I think it was Reimer that was in goal for... Uh, Carolina. Let me just double check that to make sure. I don't want to uh, diss the uh, diss the wrong guy here. Uh, let's see. Do, do, do. Uh, oh, it was actually Morazic goal. I'm sorry, Peter Morazic. Yeah, was was a little out of position in that one. Morazic's been the you know he he has the worst numbers of the two between him and Reimer. So um, don't know if that's room for concern in Carolina just yet. But regardless. Shen getting 19 and 20 this year. He's probably going to flirt with 30 goals this year. Uh, his career high is 28 that he had with the Blues a couple years ago. Wouldn't shock me if he ends up there. Uh, but just a really good uh, season for Braden Shen. Very steady. You know, you haven't seen a lot of uh, uh, any reports or anything obvious that states that he, you know, dips in production. He's pretty consistent now. And uh, just a good player. 
And no, I am not going to do uh, shots on video for Brayden Shen. The Shen shot's dead. The shotgun Shen's dead uh, for various reasons. Um, and we'll just leave it at that. So it's 5-1 to one St. Louis Blues, and it actually becomes 6-1 to one when Zach Sanford gets the second of the game and eighth of the year. And again, consistency is always a thing with Zach Sanford, and it's good to see him uh, showing the effort here, uh, ripping a nice slapper by Mrazek. This one was actually pretty close up to the blue line. Uh, has some distance on it. And yeah, he just gets the puck uh, from the faceoff, uh, pass back to him, and he just uh, rips it right by. And uh, you can you can see after the goal, he was smiling, looks like he was having fun. And I just wish a consistency that was there with Zach Sanford because he's a talented player. I, I even talked with the hockey troll of the Washington Capitals podcast, and you know, of course, Sanford came over from Washington. Uh, it was the TJ Oshie trade, I believe. And no, actually, yeah, we, yeah, it was the Oshie trade. And I always get the Oshie trade and the Shattenkirk trade confused. It was definitely one of those two. And the issue with Sanford and Washington was that he was very inconsistent there. The talent was there. He just could not connect performances. This kind of leads me into my next issue here that I'm going to talk about in this podcast is... Where does Zach Sanford go from here? The talent's there. He's playing well, but he is known to just completely disappear. And for a team like the St. Louis Blues, they need consistency. They need at least a solid two-way presence. If you're not going to be scoring goals, chip in on the defensive end. I don't think Sanford does that enough when you compare him to like a Barbashev or a Sunquist or a Steen or one of those types. Um, and that kind of still leaves his position in limbo, especially if the St. Louis Blues are talking about trading for a top six forward, which is apparently uh, what they are discussing. And in fact, actually, Doug Armstrong even flat out said that he might be in the market for a top six forward. So... The issue here, it, a lot of that depends on Vladimir Tarasenko. They're going to get an update from Tarasenko, I think, in the next two weeks as to where he stands and whether he'll be available for the playoffs or not. If he's not available, then I think it's pretty certain, just from everything I'm reading and seeing and just watching the Blues on the ice, that adding a forward you know, to add to the firepower the Blues have uh, is probably going to happen. And now let the speculation ride as to which forward is that going to be. It's obviously not going to be Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall is in Arizona now. Um, I don't want Kovalchuk, even though he makes, you know, he's on a cheap deal. He's still Kovalchuk, and that comes with headaches of many different varieties. Um, this week, Pierre Lebrun in The Athletic uh, did an article about six specific trade deadline moves that could and should happen. The first trade kind of made me throw up in my mouth a little bit. It was Jordan Cairo in a first-round pick to New York for Chris Kreider. I don't like that trade at all. Cairo, I think, is still going to be someone that is a top-six contributor, uh, special offensive talent, 
uh, basically a guy like a Chris Kreider down the road. I don't think he's a power forward, but an offensive contributor uh, that will be a mainstay in the NHL. So you've coupled that with a late first-round pick, and you're getting a guy in Chris Kreider. Let's take a look at Chris Kreider's stats here. But you're getting a guy in Chris Kreider that, while he does have offensive talent, and that's undeniable, he is also a pending free agent. And the Blues probably could not be able to re-sign him. Again, we're looking at a pure rental type of situation here. Uh, Kreider this year, 50 games played, 18 goals, 17 assists for 35 points this year. Um, he in the past has been kind of like a, he's been like a Brayton Shen level type of an offensive contributor, uh, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, he had 28 goals in 2018-19. That's his career high. Actually matches his total from 2016-17. Uh, he's been an NHLer for eight years now. This is his eighth season. Uh, and he's, he, he's a shooter, he's a power forward type, and I, I can't deny that he would improve the Blues' offense a lot, but for the price he is going to command, I don't like it for the St. Louis Blues. The Blues are starting to thin out a little bit on the prospect ranks, and you don't want to find yourself in a situation where when it is the inevitable time to rebuild, you have nothing to replenish the stock on your main roster. So there is kind of there was kind of a plan B pitched uh, today uh, by Elliot Friedman and his 31 thoughts on Sportsnet. And he suggested in one of his 31 thoughts that while the Blues may be interested in uh, Chris Kreider, um, maybe there should there should, uh, they should be looking at another forward, and that other forward would be Mike Hoffman. Uh, Mike Hoffman is playing for Florida. You may remember uh, Mike Hoffman from a couple seasons seasons ago when his uh, I guess significant other started harassing Eric Carlson's wife uh, in a really kind of a nasty situation, and that led to Hoffman being jettisoned from Ottawa to San Jose, and then San Jose punted him to Florida. And in his first season in Florida, Mike Hoffman had 36 goals. That's good. And you don't hear about it because he plays in Florida. This year, 52 games played, 19 goals, 23 assists, for 42 points. Very similar numbers to what Chris Kreider has. And, you know, Hoffman is a guy I think he can play across the uh, – uh, three forward slots. Uh, I feel like maybe he, I mean, he, I think he's a natural left winger, which actually would suit the Blues, I think, just looking at their roster and uh, what they need. Uh, seems like left wing has been kind of an elusive position for uh, the Blues to fill this year. Um, one thing that um, I like about Hoffman is that, you know, he's also going to be a rental. He makes a little over $5 million this year, and there's no commitment beyond this season. And the presumed price, and this is this is the part that I like, I think his price will be lower than Chris Kreider. I think Chris Kreider is getting overhyped in this trade market. 
And I think Mike Hoffman might cost teams less. Maybe because of the baggage from a couple years ago with a significant other. Um, but I think if you're looking to add some firepower, maybe for a second round pick and a non Kairu uh, prospect, I wouldn't mind Mike Hoffman. I don't think there's anything wrong with bringing him in as a as a rental down the stretch, you know, for something like a second and a prospect that's not Kairu. And uh, I think he could add a fair bit to the Blues offense. I mean, he's not going to be asked to carry the offense, which is good because he's not that type of a forward. But as an additional piece, um, you know, maybe you put him with uh, O'Reilly and Perron, or you can put him, you know, on the right wing next to Schwartz and Shen. Uh, you have your options there. I mean, you can even, you know, have him float down to the third line and play alongside Bozak and Thomas. I mean, there's options here. I I, I think I would love to see Hoffman, Shen, and Schwartz together. I actually would actually would I take it back. I actually would rather, if I had my choice, I put Hoffman next to O'Reilly and Perron. And then you have a really, really dynamic and offensive line there. Uh, so I, I'm kind of down for the idea of Mike Hoffman, despite the baggage of his past, especially because I don't think he's going to cross as much as Chris Kreider. And I think that is important. And I also think it's quite possible going back to Zach Sanford, that Sanford gets packaged in one of these deals. Uh, I just, on a team like Florida, you could deal with a project type like Sanford or, you know, a team like New York, the Rangers, you could deal with a project type like Sanford. But the Blues are the number one team in the West by a far margin. Looking to defend the Stanley Cup, you can't have doubts going into the playoffs. And then remember last year, Zach Sanford was a healthy scratch for most of the playoffs and that he was a healthy scratch for a reason. I just don't trust Zach Sanford as much as I hate to say it. He seems like a nice guy. And when he's on, he's a very good player. But give me some certainty. And Zach Sanford just does not provide that certainty. All right, now it's time for the first time in a couple weeks to uh, go to uh, San Antonio. And it's time to go down on the farm. Well, the good news with the San Antonio Rampage is that they have won their last two games. Hooray! Now, I am recording this uh, early Wednesday, so I'm missing their Wednesday night game. Uh, but the San Antonio Rampage in their last uh, 10 games are 4-4, four, 1-1. Four, one one. Uh, AHL uses the uh, 2000s style of standings that the NHL had, which are stupid. Uh, but regardless... They appear to have stopped the bleeding, at least a little bit. Uh, they're still seventh in the central division of the AHL at 43 points, just one point above the uh, Manitoba Moose, who sit in the bottom, and two points behind the Rockford Ice Hogs, and almost 30 points behind the division-leading Milwaukee Admirals. So things are still not great in San Antonio, but like I said... I think the dumpster fire has at least been put out. Now, the, uh, taking a look at their last few games, uh, they themselves uh, have been playing uh, more of a spread out schedule in, in the uh, second half of January. 
Uh, starting with Saturday, January 18th, I think that's where we left off. They uh, ended up losing 4-3 to in a shootout with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. And Villejuso made 32 saves in that one, so he stopped 32 out of the possible um, 35 shots. The, there was a shootout loss, so... Uh, not a bad game for Billy Huso and a game that he needed to, that Huso needed because he's been uh, playing a little rough lately. Uh, Jake Wallman scored twice in that game as well. But in the shootout, Austin Baganski, Mike Vecchioni, and Joey LaLegia were all denied um, by Casey DeSmith of the Penguins. So that's how they lost the uh, shootout there. Uh, moving forward, uh, the Rampage took on the Penguins once again in Wilkes-Barre Scranton, and that was a 3-2 loss in overtime. Uh, Nathan Walker did tie it up late in the third period, uh, getting another goal. He's been uh, uh, pretty active this season in San Antonio, um, but uh, it was not to be filing of overtime. Uh, Thomas DePauli of Wilkes-Barre Scranton uh, got the uh, game winner for uh, for the Penguins. Um, and that was another game where Vili Husso started and uh, and uh, Husso only allowed those two goals. So not a bad game for him there either. These scores are looking a lot better than the scores that I was seeing there for a while. I mean, the Rampage didn't even look like they were in the races. Uh, I mean, one goal losses aren't the worst thing in the world and you still get the points for going to overtime in the AHL. Uh, this one was a bit of a route, though. Uh, Friday, January 24th, the Rampage were in Colorado to take on the Eagles, and the Eagles uh, cleaned the Rampage's clock, although this was not a Villejuso game. Uh, Adam Wilcox made 19 saves out of a uh, possible 24. Uh, Zach Nastasiak uh, had the lone Rampage goal in that one. So, yeah, a little bit, a three game losing streak there and a rough one in Colorado, although the backup goal he started there. And then Saturday, the next day, the Rampage stayed in Colorado to take on the Eagles and they won 4 to 2. Uh, Jordan Nolan had a three point night. Joey LaLegia netted the game winning goal in the third period. And it was the Rampage's first ever win against the Colorado Eagles, who as recently as a couple seasons ago were still in the ECHL, mind you. Uh, but yeah, uh, Lalegia uh, ended up getting the uh, game winner. Um, Billy Husso uh, only allowed two goals in that one. And then on Friday, January 31st, the Rampage returned to San Antonio to host the Texas Stars and ended up winning 3-2. to two. Uh, Dakota Joshua getting the uh, game winner with 3.51 left in the third period. Uh, Nolan Stevens getting a goal and assist. Ville Husso making uh, 29 saves. Much better numbers from Ville Husso of late. Uh, in fact, Ville Husso, uh, in news that uh, I think I missed on Monday's episode, uh, resigned with the Blues for a- another year, but it's a one way deal. So next year, Billy Husso has a one-way contract. Now, he still could obviously play in San Antonio, but I just thought that was kind of interesting that he no longer has that two-way deal. Uh, neither does Nico McCullough, the defenseman, uh, who's still up with the Blues. 
I think McCola has played his way into the Blues roster next next season, or at the very least, he has played his way into a spot that's his to lose. I don't think Jay Bowmeister is coming back. I think he's going to ride off into the sunset after this uh, season, and McCola seems like a more than capable uh, replacement for Jay Bowmeister. I've liked what I've seen so far. He also signed a one-way contract, by the way, along with Huso this week, so uh, something to keep in mind. Um, and on the Stevens goal, by the way, against Texas, Clem Costin made a no-look behind-the-legs feed to Stevens to uh, get Stevens' eighth goal of the season. Wish I had a replay of that, because, but that's more more flash, more flare, more sizzle from uh, Clem Costin. So at the time of recording this, the Rampage have a 16, 18, and 11 record. Let's take a look at some of the stats for uh, the Rampage this season here, just to get you uh, uh, back up to speed. Derek Pouliot still leads in points, so 32 points in 42 games. Six goals, 26 assists, but he's a minus 15. Nathan Walker still tied for the lead in goals, 18 goals, 12 assists for 30 points in 39 games. He's tied with Mike Vecchioni, 18 goals, 10 assists for 28 points in 45 games for him. Uh, Nolan Stevens coming up and rocketing up the uh, scoring chart for the Rampage. Eight goals, 17 assists for 25 points in 35 games. And Austin Boganski, seven goals, 17 assists for 24 points in 41 games. Uh, Jake Wallman having a decent year. Seven goals, 15 assists for 22 points in 41 games. And then we get to Clem Costin. Nine goals, 11 assists for 20 points in 33 games played. And those are your... Uh, notables in San Antonio on offense. Now, the last time we checked in with Ville Husso, uh, his goals against average was near three. And uh, right now I can tell you that his uh, goals against now is down to 291. It was right up there at three the last time we uh, checked. It wasn't quite three, but it was close. Uh, but a 291 goals against average, an 899 save percentage. But those numbers are looking a lot better than they were and it's encouraging and it's also encouraging that again he gets that one year deal so that that one year one way deal so it's obvious the Blues still have hope in Ville Husso it's just been kind of a snake bitten year for the Rampage in general and I don't think that Husso is necessarily benefiting from the poor defensive play that's in front of him unfortunately so that's going to do it for this episode. I do want to let you know that Monday's episode is going to be a little different. Um, I'm going to have a quick recap of the Jets game on Thursday night, but I have to record this episode early Friday because I am actually going to be in Chicago this weekend. Uh, I'll be doing plus some coverage of the Central States Developmental Hockey League uh, tournament in Chicago. It's the same league that like the... Uh, Afton Americans and the St. Peter's Spirit play in the Junior Blues. Uh, we're talking like under 10s all the way up to under 18s. And so they've asked me to help out with some camera work and some, uh, um, you know, a little bit of mic work as well, uh, play by play. And uh, I might post some links to where you can check out those games uh, at Blue Notes Pod and at Tom Franklin KMOX on Twitter, which I encourage you to check out. And uh, But yeah, Monday's episode, recap of the Jets game, and then, uh, of course, we had Al McGinnis uh, on the podcast uh, you know, last week during the uh, 
All-Star game. Got a chance to go one-on-one with him. And I'm going to do a Blue Notes March into History with Al McGinnis and connecting a series of trades that um, end, that ended at Al McGinnis and started with a former St. Louis Blues first-round bust. And it is a series of seven trades that led to Al McGinnis from this first-round bust. We'll, we'll, we'll have some fun in this trade vortex in the uh, Blue Notes March into History on Monday. But that's going to do it for this episode of Blue Notes. I want to thank you for listening because without you, there is no me, there is no Hockey Podcast Network, and there is no Blue Notes. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle. listening to the hockey podcast network on twitter at hockeypodnet new episodes every monday and thursday download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from